1: All right, Scott. Let's kick it off with drinkag1.com/surf. Uh, Ag1. Look, as as many listeners
0: know, and not just to this podcast, but podcasts all over the digital landscape, hosts are drinking Ag1 um, because basically it fits into our healthy lifestyle. We're talking nutrients, vitamins, all organically sourced um, in down in New Zealand, and Ag1. It's so easy. It's so simple. It tastes great, and it's wonderful for you. And again, it's sourced responsibly. So, to me, um, you know, easy and a very easy
1: choice for the lifestyle that that I want to live. Speaking of other podcasters, you want to hear what Andrew Doctor Andrew Huberman had to say about it? Please quote. I've been drinking AG1 since 2012 because it is the simplest, most straightforward way for me to get my basis of important vitamins, minerals, and probiotics. Boom. End quote.
0: Wonderful. And um, I'm a big fan of, of Andrew Huberman. Uh, I actually, his podcast is kind of gnarly, I found. It's kind of, um, it's almost too much of a, of a deep dive. But when he's a guest on other podcasts, I find him to be wonderful. And I just finished listening to him on Lex Friedman's podcast, probably last week, maybe two weeks ago. And uh, he's, he's just, uh, he's a very interesting guy. I didn't know he was a professional, uh, a skateboarder. Like there's a lot of things I'd, I didn't know about him, but listeners may know that he's,
1: you know, he's a PhD and a professor at Stanford. Well, remember when we were kids and doctors looked like doctors? they were nerdy. And you're like, yeah, clearly that guy's a doctor. That guy's an accountant. Now it's all mixed up. (laughs) Now I see Huberman and I'm like, okay, that guy's a linebacker in the NFL. And he's super, he's probably married to a supermodel because he's great looking and he's fit as a fiddle. And then he starts talking and he's super smart. Super smart, man. Yeah. guy has got it all next level smart.
0: Like it's that part of the reason I like listening to him is that, um, a lot of it's over my head. A lot of it's over my weight class. It's over my, my pay grade. But I I learn through osmosis.
1: You know, I just kind of totally start to take it in and get a little bit at a time. That's a smart way to learn, I think. So, anyways, drinkag1.com/surf. Be smart like Andrew Doctor Huberman, um, and then also be smart by going to Driftline.co and saving fifteen percent off your Drifties purchase. Absolutely. Look, um, the water remains nice and warm here in
0: San Diego, and I'm in my drift lines every single day. Um, you've got this wonderful, um, you know, wetsuit liner that's just comfortable and it keeps you warm and, uh, and, a, and a wonderful board short on the outside, just a standard stock looking great, um, fashionable board short. So it's the best of both worlds. And um, I, I'm just... You know, listeners know that David and I are just super stoked, smitten, smitten. Uh, more than smitten. We both, we have smitten. Both. By the way, is an unreasonable. If you look up the word smitten, it means an unreasonable affection, or you know, um,
1: and this is quite uh, reasonable. Like this is this is the. Um, extremely reasonable beyond reasonable yeah i thought it i thought it just had to do with being like uh charmed you know no i looked cute. it up
0: the other day actually i looked up the word swing, weird. and it means to be unreasonably optimistic about a relationship
1: well, well <laughs> driftline.co i said you could say 15 percent. that way you, that you do it is uh promo code spit And the other thing that we don't talk about nearly enough is they have an eco version of the Drifty board short. Scott and I have both the regular board short and the eco version, which is manufactured in a way that uses less water, that sort of stuff. Um, So level up to that. Save the 15%. Promo code SPIT. The eco Drifty is every bit as good as the regular Drifty. It's not, again, back in the day, if you wanted to go eco, it felt like you were sacrificing quality in some ways. That's not the case anymore. The Eco Drifty is every bit as warm, comfy, flexible, everything as the regular Drifty. C O so
0: some movement at the takeoff zone it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail a clean entry this thing holding open it spits when it spit me I thought it was gonna spit me off my board
2: comes out with the spit spits him out comes out after the spit gets spat out of another good-looking wave here
0: spit 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 we are just spitballing right yeah guy
2: yeah guy
0: yeah guy David oh my it's Wednesday It's August 30th, we're uh, doing this show a day later than we normally do, David, but uh, it's always good to see you and um, good day to you, dear citizen.
1: Good day to you as well, and it is a day later than normal but a day before we give away that Timponi surfboard based on Maui donations, or donations that come in for the Maui Fire Fund. So Jeff and Nick Timponi built a beautiful surfboard, we've been publishing it on Instagram to showcase it this past week, and we're saying donate 100 bucks, you'll get into um, a giveaway. At the end of the week, we're going to pick one name out of the people who donated. Or if you contribute a $1,000, bucks, you will get 10 entries into the giveaway. But essentially, we wanted to give cash to local families in need. And so the Timponis live on Maui. They've been building boards there for decades. And um, they have friends and family who, or I don't know about family, but certainly friends who are directly affected by the fires, lost everything. So I suggested to Nick pick 20 families in need, and then we'll just do this collection. We will give, divide the total number of dollars by 20 and give everybody an equal amount of cash deposited directly into their account. No fees, no middlemen. Collecting donations on Jeff Timponi's Venmo, which is linked on my Instagram account, at Surf Splendor. So you can go there, click on the link in my bio, and you'll see Jeff Timponi's Venmo. Boom, open that up. Venmo doesn't take fees. Timponi's aren't taking fees. They donated the board. I'm contributing to it. And I'm covering the uh, shipping costs for whoever wins this board ultimately. So you've well, got one day left.
0: Look, people step up, throw down hundred bucks and um, potentially win a board. And that's awfully generous of you and the Tim Ponies. Good work, guys. Thank
1: you. Thank you. You know, yeah. you
0: can on my Instagram story right now, I'm um, Our friend Shuken is tight with the Tim Ponies. And mm-hmm. Shukin has basically the same information that you just gave out. So if you want to go, um, you could search for Shukin's Instagram or just look on my Instagram story. I posted it, I reposted it. But um, basically the same thing, you know, like the Timponis have direct access to give people that are in need, that need cash to go get medicine and food and clothes and just life. Yeah. And um, that can happen real quickly, like boom, boom, no middleman, like you said.
1: Yeah, so thank you for everybody who's contributed this past week the other follow-up detail from last week was um remember i read to you that uh a public apology from troy eckert for burning that dude yeah listener uh was inspired to fess up for his misgivings as well (laughs) (laughs) i think we may have an ongoing theme here oh my god Listener chimed in, uh, emailed and said, Hey, David and Scott, love your work. Further to your story of the guy owning up, here's mine. Cloud break. On my bucket list and first time I was there. It was four to five feet, clean, busy with 30 to 40 people out. And in my humble opinion, a very heavy wave. Fast moving out of deep water. Anyway, snagged one on the – snagged an inside sneaky one or two. And back on the boat, a photographer from another boat said he got some good photos of me. Contact him if I wanted to see them. We connected and I got the photos, some great ones, and there's one of me in the barrel. Wait, no. Is that someone behind me? Jesus, clear as day. I never had the slightest inkling that there was anyone near me or let alone inside of me. Inside me meaning behind me, Um, (laughs) (laughs) I I felt ashamed. I mean, I am really smoking this guy. So I go back to the photog and I ask if he knew who the guy was, the Bernie. And turns out the guy was from, uh, he did know the guy. He was staying on Nemo too. I emailed him and apologized. He replied quickly to say it was all good and that he didn't actually mind at all. The exchange gave me a warm, fuzzy feeling of hope hope that there are good people in the lineup and surfers aren't always the worst. Jamie in New Zealand. That's cool. I'm
0: stoked to hear that. Uh, all right. Well, one, one in a series of uh, people coming clean, you know, uh,
1: making <laughs> well, their amends. <laughs> I was thinking about it and um, we all, I mean, I, I've just accepted. I'm like, We're all going to get burned regularly at this point with COVID surfers. It just happens all if you're going to surf in a crowd, you're going to get burned three times in the course of a day, you know? Um, (laughs) And so I've just accepted this is the new mentality. We have to accept it because otherwise you're going to be angry all the time. But then I thought a step further and I thought we all burn people like if Troy Eckert, is burning people, you know, like expert surfers still burn people as well. Like you can't always be a hundred percent vigilant. Sometimes you're just totally in the moment and focused on what you're doing and you burn people. And so I think that we, it is good to have that mentality of like, yeah, I'm going to get burned, but that you'll be the beneficiary of that grace as well. At some point, no matter how good you are.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean, um, You know, the entirety of my surf experience since you and I came back from North Carolina has been foiling. And so, um, what's interesting about that is that there's no, there's no anxiety about getting set waves or whatever, you know, like I'm just picking up the crappiest little wave and I'm just so stoked on it. And when it comes to burning people, um, you know, um. In today's surf, um, I'm just—it just, just doesn't—it doesn't come into my mindset at all because of where I'm at. You know, like I'm literally like, if a set comes, I'm like, no, nope, you go. I can't yeah. even catch that thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's—it's it's kind of a—it's kind of a liberating thing, you know, the the so
1: concept is, of that. Is there an equivalent in the foiling world of burning somebody?
0: I mean. I think the equivalent is, is that you just don't want to come too close to people. You know, you want to be away from people. And, um, cause I think that's what freaks normal surfers out is that you're too close to them with that foil, which is understandable. Um, so I have this sort of like, you know, 20 yard circle, uh, you know, that I like, if you're within 20 yards of me or whatever, I'm just not going. Or yep. if I'm up and riding and you're, now within 20 yards of me, I'm just, I just kick out of the wave, you know, like, and, and smart, it's as much because I, I just don't need the drama in my life. And,
1: and frankly, well, you're not, I'm just, you not learning. confident. Yeah. Yeah. You're not confident enough to be able to navigate around people. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Although yeah. I'm getting, I'm getting better, David. I'm getting Are you better. really? Oh yeah.
0: No, Good. dude, I'm, I'm up and foiling on every single wave, and it's been really good it's been like the most epic foiling summer for me since you and i came home um i mean it's just been really super fun and and it's like and it's a whole new adventure like i grew up surfing at this spot in del mar one of the del mar reefs and i've been surfing there since whatever 1979 let's say I went there yesterday and I was like a little kid in a candy store, like, oh my God, I, you know, going back to my old home spot and nobody was out and it's just because, because it's shitty, you know, because it's yeah. just a shitty wave when in the summer. It's not even, it's a winter wave, but there was these fun little fat, little crumbly waves that are perfect for foiling. And I was out there and it was just like being a kid again. You know, yeah. climbing down the cliffs, doing the whole deal, it was so much fun. Did, um, did you buy a rig yet? I haven't, I'm about to make the, 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 uh, the big dive, you know? The thing is, is that as you recall, when we went foiling together, a lot of people were like, hey, you know, you're, you're gonna quickly move from this wing, this foil, which is sort of like more stable beginner foil, to something smaller. Cause you're going to want to yeah. go faster and you're going to want to turn. And so I'm already on a smaller foil and I have yet to put out any cash. Um, and so I think the foil I'm on now is probably would be good for me for a long time, you know, but yeah. it's, it's in, you know, inevitable that I'm going to have more than one wing. Cause you know, you get smaller <laughs> ones for turning and then you get like different ones for pumping, You know, there's,
1: it's just, it's going to be. Well, I, I think everybody listening knows based on your surfboard collection that yes, inevitably you will have more than one wing.
0: I already have two. Now, the cool thing is, is that as you know, the wings are easy to hide. Like, it's not like I'm coming home with an eight foot surfboard. (laughs) These things are just two feet long. You can stash them under your bed. No, one (laughs) will (laughs) know.
1: They're so thin, they fit under the mattress without your wife even knowing. Oh, yeah. They're just like underneath the car seat. You know what I mean? Smart. Smart. I love this strategy of um, not telling.
0: Well, no. Look, I'm completely honest with my wife. My wife is wonderful. She's such a supporter of me being in the ocean. And uh, thank God I don't have to hide anything from her or have a desire to hide anything from her.
1: She will... Know when she shows up at the boardroom show, and each year there's more and more foiling booths, and there's going to be some foiling booths at the boardroom show, believe me. I'm glad there should be. By the way, guess
0: who's going to be at the boardroom show this year? Besides the fact that we're honoring one of the nicest and most uh, well-respected humans in the world, being Copeland, in the Icons of Foam Shape Off, and we've got eight shapers coming out. But in addition, do you know who Jimmy Medico is? I do okay so jimmy just put out this book i think dave prodan just interviewed him on Dave podcast it's called shaping surf history tom kern almeric california 1980 to 1983 it's a super cool book especially for guys like you and me especially me because i'm a little bit older than you but it just speaks totally to my era you know like in 19 i graduated high school in 1983 you know and I remember Tom Curran coming to Sunset Surfboards where I worked and where I was on the team and he came with his wife, Marie, and he was, and they just had like a, because Al Merrick used to shape for Sunset Surfboards for Ed Wright, Ed, Ed set it up so that Tom came and talked to the surf team and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, this book is so cool and Jimmy's going to be at the boardroom show doing a book signing with Tom Curran. So Tom's going to be at the boardroom show both Saturday and Sunday. And on Saturday, there's going to be a discussion. One of the boardroom talks is going to be Jamie Brissick and Jimmy Medico talking with Tom Curran about this era. And then there'll be a book signing. And then Tom's going to play. His band is going to play music. So, yeah. So Tom Kern at the boardroom show this year, we're pretty excited about it. And um, so cool. So can
1: can you explain to listeners what Jimmy Medico's connection is to that whole scene? Yeah,
0: good good idea. Jimmy Medico was a photographer um, from Texas who, um, just was the guy that traveled along with the whole Channel Islands surfboard crew. You know, Tommy, Willie Morris, um, Sam George, um, Davey Smith. Of course, hung out with Al. It was just. Somehow embedded with that whole crew, Matt George, um, Jamie Brissick, as I mentioned, um, that whole Channel Islands early 80s crew, Jimmy was there um, just going on surf trips and taking photos and um, just capturing it all. Like he's got some of the most iconic imagery of that era. And that's really what the book is celebrating. And um, again, you can pick up the book and have it autographed by Tom
1: and Jimmy at the boardroom show. And uh, so Jimmy's a photographer. Well, what I liked about it, you said iconic imagery. What's amazing is how much of Jimmy's imagery was not really that scene, you know, like he got on Instagram, I'd say four years ago, and he started publishing things out of his archives, photos out of his archives. And I was like, oh, my gosh, every photo was fresh. It was something maybe it ran in a magazine at the time, but it didn't become a poster, you know, that everybody had on their wall. Um, but I bet a lot of those images weren't published, actually, and they're as good as anything that we ever that became iconic. And it's Tom Curran in his prime at Rincon, usually, but fresh and new like you've never seen it before.
0: No, you're absolutely right. Actually, that you bring up a great point. Um, you know, there was maybe four or five shots that are like the ones that you're like, oh yeah, I saw that in Surfer Magazine, or you saw it in Breakout Magazine when Breakout Magazine was California's regional mag. But you're right, There's as I look through this, there are just hundreds of wonderful photographs with anecdotes that go with each image. And, And here's a real classic shot. Like, I think, can you see this?
1: Yes, now I can.
0: Look at that board. Now, if you're listening, I'm showing a picture of a classic... Almeric Channel Islands three fin thruster from that time, probably nineteen eighty-two. And that board, man, when we saw that board as kids, we were everybody wanted one of those boards. That little bump squash with the four channels in the middle of the board. Yeah. Man, that was like the board we were all just going, make us one of these. You know, like you just everybody every single surfboard brand in California put out a bump squash with four channels in the middle of the bottom above the fins and um it was sort of the board
1: du jour well there's so many other surfboard um i'm sorry surf photographers who continued working for the the next few decades i feel like jimmy went away you know like jimmy was the guy in that era at that uh location and then pursued some other interests in his life, probably. Some yeah, I don't know. That's a great
0: and, point. We should know that. I bet Dave got into the, I should probably do a podcast with Jimmy myself and, and get to the bottom of that because, uh,
1: it's a very a good point. I, I'm sure he went back to Texas and just like. He did. Cause I, I talked to him like two years ago and he was in Texas at the time. Oh, okay. So, but I think he moved back out this way. Yeah. Well, yeah. more will be revealed. I don't know <laughs> at the boardroom show specifically.
0: Yeah. So Tom Curran's going to be there. Um, and Saturday, again, his band's going to play. They're going to there's going to be a deep discussion about this era with Tom and Jamie Brissick and Jimmy Medico and uh, book signing and all that. So that's just one of the many cool things happening at the boardroom show this year.
1: What are the dates? How do people get oh, there? Oh, yeah.
0: So October 7th and 8th in Del Mar at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. You can go to boardroomshow.com and buy tickets right now. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's going to be yeah. a great affair. We're pretty stoked. Of course, Steve Sherman's also doing his War and Peace, um, a photo exhibition talk story about uh, the Kelly Slater and Andy Irons friendship and rivalry, and um, Steve's got great insights from that Point in time probably like i want to say 2003 to 2009 or whatever um
1: and so he's got he's going to have some incredible images as well yeah and of course bing copeland was who you referred to earlier as the shaper that you're honoring this year and we'll have the shape-off
0: yeah the shape-off is going to be intense um there's going to be eight shapers thomas beckson from australia is coming over Michael Arnall from Ventura, um, Wayne Rich from Goleta, Roger Hines from Seal Beach, Hank Warner from San Diego, Dane Purley from San Diego via Santa Cruz, um, Rick, Rick Rock, Rock, the defending champion from San Clemente, and um, I feel like I'm missing one. Did I
1: say them all? I don't know. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah, so everything lots of stuff going on, plus all the vendors who are building out incredible quivers specifically for the show. So and boards will be available for sale. So epic weekend. You and I will both be there. Always meet tons of listeners every year, which is super cool. Kind of a never ending stream of listeners. Yeah. Until one time to connect with everybody.
0: Yeah, super cool. Fun, super good weekend, super fun.
1: Surf culture at its finest. The surf industry at its finest. Indeed. Well, as it relates to today's show, we've got, um, we could do some trestles preparation and predictions beyond what we've talked about in the past. I know that there's forecast is now accessible. Hey, let me ask you this. Have you ever stepped on a stingray? Yes. How bad was it? Well, I've stepped on a ton. I've only been stung twice. It's, it was awful.
0: Yeah. I I got nailed by one Sunday night for the first. For the first time no it was the second time but the first time wasn't that bad the first time I kind of got through it somehow I, I don't remember it being this bad but this one was horrific I was like I couldn't even drive I had to call my yeah. wife to come pick me up I was like I was in like gnarly pain and I'm I guess I'm just soft maybe I'm just soft I don't know no, but the pain was through the roof toxic like in my bloodstream and for two hours I was like I almost passed out you know like i oh was like God.
1: you know again maybe yeah. I'm a little, maybe i'm a little weak in the constitution i you know people would like to point they told me that exact thing because my my scenario turned out to be pretty comedic um i got tagged was in seething pain like yes, yes. Audib- audibly seething like i was audibly <laughs> seething that's what i was doing <laughs> That's such a perfect way to describe it. I was audibly seething. There was no way to not do it. Like when you're in that much pain that you have to, it was just like an automatic response, right? Yeah. And I agree with you. I couldn't drive either. And so I got a ride to the main lifeguard tower and uh, it was summertime around here. Of course, people are just getting tagged all day, every day by stingrays. So I end up sitting in there in the lifeguard tower. They make you put your foot in a hot uh, a bucket full of hot water, because the hot water neutralizes the protein that's in the venom and, uh, like, in the poison. And so I walk in there, and there's a little girl who's got to be 12 years old, maybe maybe 10 years old, not seething at all, no grimace on her face, just sitting with her foot in a bucket, looking at me, going, "Dude, what's wrong with you?" I'm like, "I got stung by a stingray." She's like, "Yeah, me too." And I just looked like such a wimp and the lifeguards are laughing at me and all that. But ultimately what the lifeguards communicated was um, people get hit to different degrees, you know, and sometimes it's a big stinger. Sometimes it's a little stinger. Sometimes it grazes you. Sometimes it gets embedded in your skin and they have to actually get it out of your skin. So that's more a reflection on how much pain you're feeling than your own constitution
0: yeah i was talking to a guy in the water today too and he said he's been hit five times i was like holy mackerel man but he um said the worst is when the barb comes on top of your foot and nails you up near the bone on top of your foot he said that one's over the top where he got like blood poisoning and wow. his foot swole up to you know elephantitis in fact him and another guy both like I was talking to him about it because I was going, hey, blah, blah blah. I got hit a couple of days ago here, and they raised their foot out of the water. They're wearing those shark bands, those those magnets that put out like some sort of electronic nodes into the water or whatever. And they say it they work for a stingrays. Really? And yeah. So I need to go on there and get me one of those. <laughs> wow. I wonder if that's true. They're, they're little anklets that I think they're pretty pricey. I want to say they're like a buck fifty or something. But he's like, yeah, I think they work, you know, and he he was telling me that, you know, when he puts his foot in the water, he can see him scatter. But I mean, you see him scatter anytime you put your foot in the water. So, But I'm willing to roll the dice on one of these shark bands
1: things. I mean, you think they would advertise that as part of their marketing campaign if that were true? This is this is a good point. But so I haven't seen their marketing
0: in a while. I think they just sold Amazon. I think they're like, uh, you know, they went on Shark Tank and now it's just
1: Costco. Okay. Well, you spend the 150 and let me know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You don't want to be a test pilot. So I, you learn around here to never put your feet in the water or never put your feet on the ground after your initial paddle out. And even on your initial paddle out, you do the stingray shuffle up to basically your knee depth. Yeah. And then you just lay on your board and just use your fingertips to until you're waist deep. And then you can start digging in and paddling. But I mean, I've learned, I've perfected the art of the starfish wipeout. If I'm in waist deep water and I wipe out, I can still not touch the bottom because I've gotten so good at starfishing. (laughs) That's your, that's your one. You should give like lessons,
0: you know, like it won't be surf lessons. It won't be wiping
1: out. It won't be a lesson on how to hit the lip. It'll be a lesson on how to wipe out without hitting a stingray.
0: By the way, I just googled shark bands. They do, they do market that this oh, keeps do. away. It says sharks and rays keep away. Sharks and rays, one hundred twenty-eight okay. bucks. Shark
1: bands. I remember one day in the summertime. So they're they live in warm water. You know, they kind of go away in the wintertime which is why I prefer the winter time around here. Part of the reason why I prefer winter and putting on booties is because I know I've got a little bit of protection because the summertime you feel vulnerable. But one time uh, I was surfing river jetties and it was summertime, super warm water, trunking it, crystal clear water. I paddled out, it was like a you know three to four foot like peaky combo swell. Made a dry hair paddle out, which I was already like, that's a plus. <laughs> First, first, first wave, front side, got a tube, dry hair tube, like came out of little tube, still dry hair. I was like, I was tripping. I looked down and it was a blanket of stingrays because the water was that crystal clear. Like you could see a little bit of movement and you just thought it was the water rippling. It was all stingrays at the bottom. Couldn't even see the sand. Just blanketed over one another. And I was like, oh my God, kicked out, landed on my board, just paddled back out didn't put my foot feet down obviously but that was one of the scarier moments i've had
0: yeah visuals
1: i've had that sounds heavy that's not good
2: yeah
0: yeah. i mean you know you think about steve Irwin getting nailed by that massive <laughs> one i mean that must have just been he must have just went into just the craziest cardiac like, ah, like I'm, i hope it was quick and not as painful yeah. as, as i imagine it might
1: have been but sure that is a crazy story yeah well, so anyways, like I was saying, we've got the lowers thing to discuss. We've got racism in surfing to discuss what Lewis Lewis Samuels was just interviewed by stab magazine, came out of uh, hiding after the last 12 or 15 years. We could discuss that briefly if you're interested. What do you think? let kick it off with lowers. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about lowers and what's going on. So,
0: um, this kind of drove me a little bit crazy the other day. Cause I was looking at the forecast for lowers, right? And I'm going to go there right now, right? So I go to the forecast. In a perfect world, we everyone knows that the Lowers event is about to happen. It's going to be a one-day event. Five men, five women surfing for the world title. It's just one day. Like, how hard could it be, right, to pick one really good day in the next month? <laughs> it shouldn't be that hard. They or, don't have a month. Huh? They don't have a month window. Right, but they should. My point is, is like... Got like, it. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you have a month window? And if the answer is whatever the answer is, then you failed. Like you're you're not a you're you're not you, you don't know how to hold a world title event. Yeah. But on nine one this Friday, tomorrow no in two days, four to six feet. Saturday, five to seven feet. Six to eight feet. Sunday, four to six feet. Five to seven feet. Monday, six to eight feet. Six to eight feet. Tuesday, five to seven feet, four to six feet. Wednesday, four to six feet. Thursday, starts to drop a little, three to four feet. The beginning of the waiting period, three to four feet, poor to fare, bad winds. The next day, three to four feet, poor winds. The next day, two to three feet. The next day, two to three feet. The next day, two to three feet. Now, Wednesday the 13th, which is within the waiting period, it gets back up to four to six feet. And it looks like Thursday is going to be four to six feet. So maybe I'm wrong here. But my point is, is that if you had in a perfect, if you were truly a world surfing organization that was keen on finding the best possible waves at lowers during the month of September, you would figure out a way to have some sort of holding <clears throat> permit that you could pull at any moment and go look i can tell by the way that on monday the fourth and i could have told you this three days ago it's going to be six to eight feet light winds and good all day we're i'm calling it now we're having the event monday the fourth you know like and and uh anyway it's a little frustrating hopefully it looks like they're going to get some good waves but point is is that it could have also been a situation like we had at G Land, like we've had numerous times, where even at Chopu, where the trials were the best of the of of the waves that were on offer. So anyway, uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, Maybe I'm going to eat crow. I hope I do. I hope the waves are perfect. But my point and, is and that yeah the, yeah,
1: the forecast can still shift. So yes, but Dave Prodan blamed glo- global warming on his podcast <laughs> is the reason why there haven't been waves this year for the WSL. <laughs> And uh, one of the commenters was like, uh, tell Nathan Florence that. You know what I mean? Like Nathan's been chasing epic storms all year long and scoring. Yeah. So it seems to be more of a, um, a logistical planning uh, failure on the part of the WSL. And ultimately, I totally understand the logical feedback on this is, well, they have these two-week permits, right? My feedback to that is, if you are the arbiters of surfing, and you are the World Surf League, and your goal—which theirs isn't—but if your goal were putting the best surfers in the world in the best waves, you would talk to the local cities and authorities who submit the who exactly. give you those permits. Yeah, and you would communicate. Yeah. We're not. We're not beholden to. Standards of a decade or two ago, where we needed this this yeah. far in advance. Exactly. We've got all these new models, all this new technology, where we can. Where it's only going to take a day. We don't need a three day window like we normally do. Whatever. So let's go for a month long permit instead. And like Scott said, we still will green light it five days in advance or whatever the number is. But we need a longer. You know, they can negotiate those terms yeah. with the local authorities. Yeah, and they I not. Mean, the have state not. the state guards. I'm sure would acquiesce and be helpful
0: because it's so important to the culture of San Clemente, to the culture of San Diego, to the culture of all of California and to the culture of surfing. And, you know, San Clemente is, you know, in some regards like the hotbed of California competitive surfing and, yeah, I mean, everybody wants a win here. There's nobody that's like, no, we want you to have it when it's shitty. Like, everyone's going to be like, yeah, okay, this all does sound good. Let's let's negotiate this, you know? And yeah. Maybe it costs us a few extra thousand dollars to have, but that's what you do when you're the friggin' arbiter of competitive professional surfing.
1: Well, the other update since we last spoke was um, Ethan Ewing's been spotted in the water in Australia rehabbing and actually ripping. Really? Um, Yeah. And so he could be. The reason why he hasn't officially withdrawn from the event is that he's hoping to be in shape for the event. And so let's do a quick rundown on scenarios here. Um, Felipe Toledo is clearly the kingpin at Trestles. And who do you think has the best shot at dethroning him? We've got Griffin in in the uh, second position, so he'll have to do the least amount of surfing throughout the day other than Felipe. Ethan, Joao, and Jack Robinson.
0: Who's got the best chance to yeah. unseat Felipe? God. <laughs> you want me to keep Ethan in the in the mix? Sure. Let's presume he shows up. I think Griffin. I do too. I think Griffin, because Griffin's going to have, even though Felipe's from San Clemente, he's, there's no way he's going to have the hometown vibe that Griffin's going to have. Yeah. And Griffin rips, and Griffin's got all the air game. I To me, it's going to come down to, I hope it should, it needs to, come down to mm-hmm. who, who's got the balls to start punting airs on the first turn. And as Both you and time. I have spoken about in the past, it's easier to do that on the left than it is on the right. I think the left offers a better ramp section to immediately go to the air on the first term. We've seen Gabriel do that in the past. We've seen other guys do it. And
1: um, anyway, I, you know, my heart is sort of with Griffin here. So interestingly, so I agree with you. I throw Jack Robinson as being kind of the least capable at at this venue, given his skill sets,
0: can I can I interrupt you for a minute? What is it about Jack Robinson? Because when you whenever I think of Jack at lowers, I feel like he's heavy footed. I feel like
1: yeah, he's
0: heavy. I, I, I and I, sometimes I think of Connor Coffin. I'm like, does he have the air game? We know he does, but why do I feel like he doesn't? Why
1: do I feel like he's got a heavy foot? Maybe it's related to that, but I feel like he's slower. He doesn't have the zing and the spark that those guys have, and. I will give a caveat and say at any world-class surf spot in the world, I would put Jack ahead of Joao, Ethan, Griffin, and certainly Felipe. Like Jack smokes them all if it's in big barreling waves. Or even North Point where he's
0: like getting tubed and then doing those massive
1: aerials when it's eight feet, you know? Totally. Totally. So Jack, I love, but at trestles, Jack is the least compelling surfer out of these. Joao, I like because he's it's all fresh to us, you know. We haven't seen a lot of Joao, and he's got the full game like rail game, power, airs, all of it. So that could be an interesting bid. Uh, Ethan is coming off an injury, probably not the top spot. Griffin Colapento, this is his home break. He's super dynamic. If the waves are small, we used to say Felipe was the best surfer in the world in small waves. Interestingly, here, and in recent years, Felipe has actually gotten a lot better in bigger waves. He wins Margaret River, uh, J-Bay, stuff like that now. And interestingly, if the waves are small, it means wave selection becomes important. And this is Griffin Colapinto's home break. And I could see him figuring out the higher scoring waves when it's small and beating Felipe on the better waves. You know, you're well, shaking your head now. I mean,
0: if you're suggesting to me that Felipe doesn't know how to read the waves at lowers, I I don't think you are. That's obviously incorrect. Felipe has as much wave knowledge out there as Griffin. Felipe's served out there for years. Yeah, Felipe knows that wave like the back of his hand. Better than Griff. As well as Griff. Like, how would how good do you need to know it? Like, it's not like oh, yeah, it's friggin' pipe or something. Like, it's lowers. Like. Wave either comes from one eighty or two oh five or you know, like the left's better or the you know, I just don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's that deep of science to to break through to some level where it's like, oh my God, he's got the
1: secret code. Well, if that's the case, I kind of put my money on Felipe in almost any scenario. I agree I agree it's it's he's got to be the heavy favorite if there's betting, which there is, right? Yeah, so the two things that I could look at are. What is Felipe's greatest asset out there? And honestly, aside from the surfing that we know and love, he doesn't falter. Like, the guy doesn't make mistakes, you know? I mean, he gets a wave that he needs, and he surfs the thing into the 9-5 range. Like, that's just—he doesn't fall. I think the same could probably be said about Griffin as well. Um, and then if you ask what what is the biggest liability for Felipe— there's a liability for him that Griffin doesn't have, which is we've seen Felipe so often and we have super high expectations for him. And so that tends to factor into the judge's score lines. If he doesn't get up and surf that thing out of his skin, he gets a seven. Even though what he did, if Jack Robinson did it, they would have given him a nine. You know what I mean? So the expectations for Felipe are just so high that that creates a liability for him, and I don't know that the judges have that same expectation curse on fully Phili- on a uh, Griffin Colopinto. So part of me
0: is like, I hope Felipe wins because I think what it'll it might do is just push the powers that be to um, realize that. that lowers just isn't where we should end the world tour lowers isn't where we should crown a champion let me show you something guess where it's going to be perfect eight to ten feet (laughs) the entire waiting period eight to ten feet gnarly spitting grinding barrels where puerto escondido you could have this event three mornings in a row you run round one, you run round two, and then you run the round three and four. Like, you know.
1: Yeah. It's going to be that...
0: insane, and in waves of consequence, which is what our world, where our world champions should be crowned, in waves mm-hmm. of champion. And I think that Porto's in some way better than Pipe because it's it doesn't have um, it's more of an <coughs> equal playing field. Like we all know that. Kelly and Jack and, you know, a few guys have got pipe figured out. But Porto Escondido is a wide open wild card, and it's 8 to 10 feet, and it's heaving, perfect, spitting. But also, you got to pick the right one. It could You could get a closeout and be done. Board's broken, yeah. leg's broken.
1: Not be able to make the paddle out for the rest of not the Not be able to make the paddle out. Yeah. I'm sorry, so- but... No, I I totally agree with you. And if we were discussing the same scenario of surfers at Puerto Escondido, it would be completely flipped upside down. Completely. We'd be be Jack and Jow and Griffin and then Ethan and then Felipe. But you know who would smoke them all in regardless of almost where it is? Gabriel. Gabriel. Gabriel Medina.
0: Now, there was some talk about should Gabriel get Ethan's spot if Ethan doesn't surf in it. I think yeah. Stab threw up a thing on their website. And you and I discussed it a little bit. Um, and my feelings remain the same. I say yes. Yeah. I, I say yes. Like Gabe surfing it. Are you kidding me? Everybody wants to see Gabe in that thing. Because well, we all Felipe, feel like the Gabe Felipe thing is,
1: is really what it's going to come down to anyway. Felipe's response to that was he had 10 opportunities to earn his birth into finals day, and he didn't meaning yeah, but there's, there's 10 a, events throughout there's a, the year
0: there's a spot available
1: right it's you know like, yeah well and what we want is number one to find out who the best surfer in the world is and so Felipe's afraid that, exactly Felipe is afraid so I think that putting Gabe in there would allow us the opportunity to see who the best surfer in the world is and then secondly is we want entertainment and Gabe adds entertainment to the day so that's why we all want Gabe there absolutely but yeah RealWaterSports.com Labor Day sale going on um, We've talked about KT boards on Maui Let's give some more love to Maui There's a bunch of KT boards On RealWaterSports.com right now uh, 30% off Really high performance looking Short boards Brings the price down to under 500 bucks For a brand new KT Wow, that's, yeah. that's a
0: smoking hot deal Are you kidding me? I mean, we're talking about one of the most cutting edge shapers in the world and, yeah. uh, underrated. Uh, I mean, if you're in the know, you, you know that he's not underrated, that he's incredible, but, um, just not widely marketed. So yeah. uh, that's a smoking hot deal at real water sports. And, um, you know, frankly I've been foiling so much. I'm like, I'm, I might go back to the outer banks just to foil
1: because
0: yeah. it's kind of foil heaven. <laughs> yeah.
1: that'd be, but, uh, be called. I mean, they're getting great, surf right now too. I think they have that Outer Banks Pro happening this week. Yeah, Hurricane Franklin. And the waves are pumping. Yeah, yeah. they're getting some great waves. Yeah. so That's so actually to... a
0: really great place when you think about like if... it's the best. If, if you're engaged in wind sports and surfing and foiling or any of like... It's kind of like our guy Joey. He can do everything any day he's in the water. You know, he's either downwind foiling or is prone foiling or kiting or... You know, he's just, it, it's kind of a wonderful place for all, all of that stuff. It's incredible. We loved
1: it. Yeah. So go to realwatersports.com. Check it out. Labor Day sale. Go now. And you can also buy NVS fins there. Naked Viking fins. Naked oh, Parker yeah.
0: Surf. Look,
1: get your naked Viking fins at either Real Water
0: Sports. Well, get them at Real Water Sports. I was going to say, but you can come to the boardroom show and meet Jamin and Leif. And um, they'll be there with their fins. And you're going to want to meet these guys. Super good guys. I mean, the, the greatest, nicest guys. So um.
1: That's what, yeah. I I mean, that if you're in Del Mar, San Diego, Southern California, and you're going to be around, definitely swing by because those guys are a total resource and asset. And every time I see them or every time I pull up their website, they have some new fin that they've been working on in collaboration with some shaper. And so... I've got probably 10 sets in my quiver at this point and that's all that I use and if I get a new board I have a set of NBS fins that fit it perfectly and suit it well so once you commit to them you kind of there's no need to do anything else you're locked in for life you know the the Apex series fins made out of the G10 are guaranteed so they're bulletproof
0: awesome nvsfins.com
1: uh, yeah. surfnvs.com oh sorry wait surfnvs.com take two okay oh and lest we forget christian from trees wax will also be in attendance at the boardroom show uh if you don't want to wait until october which i advise you do not go to treeswax.com to learn more about the petroleum free surf wax made from trees and limestone or go grab it right now i've been calling out surf shops up and down the california coast that are carrying it Today, we've got Surf Lounge North in PB, Ventura Surf, and Steamer Lane Supply, and of course, TreesWax.com. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com/surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Let's start. Actually, I didn't I didn't tease this, but Authentic Brands Takeover actually is official tomorrow. And this past week we've seen photos and videos flooding Instagram of Piles, endless piles of Billabong and Ruka t-shirts at Costco, priced at thirteen ninety nine. So straight from the core of our youth, highly influential, all that kind of stuff to kind of floodgates are open, mass market, inexpensive. Do you care at all?
0: I don't really care at all. I don't wear surf clothes. I'm not trying to brand myself with surf clothing um and 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 as far as you know is this some sort of horrific moment where they've stripped away my youth because now it's available at costco no i don't give a shit yeah and and frankly the clothing industry bores me (laughs) and and i don't think it's the surf industry I, i just don't unless you're building wetsuits Board shorts, fins, surfboards, leashes, board bags, gear for surfing. You're just a clothing company that's trying to
1: hijack us. Well, I saw the, the posts and the videos are, they did stir up an emotion. You know, I was like, ooh, that's kind of salacious. And then I thought about it more and I'm like, I definitely don't care. Um, you know, I, first of all, the funny thing is there was Bilbong and Ruka. Billbong's from my youth. Ruka was after my youth. You know, like Ruka's entire life cycle existed basically in my adulthood, which shows how old I am at this point. So I'm like the funny, it, the idea that Ruka was part of somebody's youth and they see that as nostalgic is, uh, makes me feel really old, actually. But, but even the Bilbong thing, you know, it's like uh, my initial thought is I think about the people that I know that work in the company. And I'm like, ooh, that's a bummer for those human beings and individuals who I know and love and who are great people, whatever. But they'll probably find another job. And maybe they didn't love the job in recent years as much as they used to when it was more core. Um, The second question I have is for the brand itself, is it the right decision? And I don't know that it is. You know, like if the ultimate goal is um, uh, value in the brand, this does not add value to the brand is the ultimate goal profits? And is this the fastest way to profit or is it the best for long-term profit? That's a different question. So I don't know that it's the right brand decision and it's, you know, and everything else is kind of neither here nor there to me.
0: I think the funniest one I saw was on Beach Grid. I think Chaz or Derek posted it and it was a Volcom. I think it was like one of those stones that you use to scrape the heel of your foot to like take the the pumice stone the pumice stone thank you is that what that is is that what a pumice stone does you you like yeah it's
1: for scrapes the dead skin yeah it's for a um what do you call that a manicure a pedicure pedicure yeah volcom stone is their logo so since they're selling off now they're making pumice stones but i I don't think that was a real product
0: on that oh you don't think wait i hope it was and on that note i mean we could do a whole series of stone inspired products like you could do like charcoal briquettes you you know or um outdoor fireplace volcom stones you know or stone walls you could go to like you know your local brick and rock company and get some Volcom stones from there. Um,
1: I'm sure that you they probably weren't...
0: get some sort of like st- like stone medicine yeah. to get your, to get your, your stones out
1: of your urinary tract. You know, I, I have a feeling that they are considering all of these options Yeah, in the boardroom they're... next to Hurley where they're making beard oil and floaties for the pool. <laughs> yeah, And if you're billabong, I mean,
0: you could probably get into the, somehow get into the marijuana industry with the, the whole bong thing,
1: you know? And there you go. Yeah. The green rush, get in. Um, so, you want? did you follow this, track this recent story out of Jupiter, Florida, um, the racism in surfing story? No, fill me in. So, this just happened yesterday. I got a DM early in the morning, like, holy cow, look at this. There was a surfer named Andrew Sherlock who had his board stolen. He's a African American surfer, Andrew Sherlock. It's a detail that matters to this story. Yeah, uh, had his board stolen at the beach, and then the board was nailed fifteen feet up into the air into a palm tree. Somebody got a ladder, nailed it into a palm tree. So the images, Andrew's words, and a recap of the events was posted on an account called Black Dot Surfers on Instagram. Yeah, And uh, Black Surfers Instagram's bio line reads, Attain equitable access for surfing for black people through policy and community. That is what their account is about. Anyways, they published this story for Andrew, and they used Andrew's quote in the caption. And Andrew said, this is how the real racism and hate is in Jupiter, Florida. They can't stand to see a black man in their water. I was told I was not welcome. They stole my board and I and when I turned my back, they did this, said it was a message nailed to a tree like a lynching, end quote. Mm. So there's a number of people chiming in, you know, um, saying like, holy cow, this is horrible. Like, I can't believe this happened. And then if you look a little bit deeper, there's a bunch of other people chiming in, kind of giving further explanation of what actually happened in the water that day. And here's one of them. Somebody said, quote, a quick summation from someone who was out in the water that day. This guy was burning everyone. And when someone would say something to him, he would immediately call them racist. He ended up colliding with a local on a wave that was clearly his fault. He told him to go in. Uh, I guess the local told Andrew to go in or down the beach where he wouldn't hurt anybody. He proceeded, Andrew proceeded to try to fight them. He went in and put his board in his car, went back to the boardwalk to talk to the kid that he collided with. There were about 15 other people around. They ended up talking it out. The guy apologized and they fist bumped each other. There's a video of this. He walked back to his car and his board was gone. The kid that he collided with and a few other locals actually helped him look for his board not condoning anyone for the situation or behavior, just wanted to give some accurate, inaccurate account of what went down that day. There was other people kind of pointing out that Andrew's been a problem in the lineup in the past. Um, But a lot of people who weren't there in the water that day are chiming in and being like, hey, great job for putting this on blast and holding people to account. Andrew said that he ended up getting a different board and ended up paddling out again that day just to kind of, you know, not be... Not be uh, dissuaded by the act that he saw was uh, racist. What are your thoughts on this situation? What are your thoughts on racism in the water? Have you seen it? Do you ever see black people well, in the water? Well, first of all, I don't, there's two sides to the story,
0: and I don't think I have enough information to accurately um, opine with any sort of, you know, but if this guy was actively burning dudes and getting in conflicts in the water to the point that he had to go in and talk it out with somebody, um, you know, that doesn't seem appropriate. Um, if some other surfers because of his actions, uh, grabbed his board and, took a ladder and nailed his board to a tree um, I I don't know if that's overtly racist or not perhaps it is um, if we're going to to suggest that that is um, equivalent to uh, um, a graphic a that would represent lynching yeah I'm not that might be a little bit of a stretch I think if you want to lynch you would probably gr- grab a rope and tie the board with a rope
1: or, or the leash itself right yeah it would be a logical
0: yeah there you go but again I don't know enough about this situation to me it sounds like um a bunch of idiots regardless of your color of your skin the content of your character comes into question
1: yeah I know so the analysis that I kind of walked or that I was most interested in was in what was happening in the comments section itself. You know, like there's enough idiots who get into inter- altercations daily, whether it's on the freeway or whatever, that it's not necessarily worth even teasing apart who is right and who is wrong. Uh, but the way that the crowd responds to it and jumps in as if they do actually know. I mean, you started out by saying, I don't have enough information. The fact that people jump in with both feet as if they do know is really what's interesting. And um, I'll I'll start by saying, I do think that racism probably does exist in surfing. Like, I have not experienced it because I'm part of the overwhelming majority of white middle class people that participate in the sport, right? Yeah. And I've seen other ethnicities in the water, Not not a ton of black people, but... Um, you know, uh, in Southern California, a lot of, you know, people, Latin American, Mexican people, Asian yes. people, even. Yes. And, um, and so I'm certain that surfing does exist just based on kind of that inequitable right. access detail. You racism. Know? Yeah. Y- yeah. Did I say racism? You said surfing. Oh, sorry. Right. Sur- racism does exist. Right. So, and imp- maybe not overtly. You know, maybe not what people would identify as overtly racism, but there probably is some covert racism that exists. I'm fully uh, acknowledging that. But I also think that people who have experienced overt racism probably have a justified hypersensitivity to it, and they may interpret any form of prejudice as being racially based. And surfing is full of prejudice, you know, (laughs) like, undeniably. Like, if you are new, if you have the wrong board if you hold your board the wrong way if your wetsuit has the wrong color you will be prejudiced against and so if you have been marginalized due to racism and if you have been overtly you know a victim of racism you might be hypersensitive and you might interpret every prejudice as being race based so surfers probably did signal this single this guy out for reasons that the commenter mentioned um, but, and maybe by the virtue of the fact that those people were white, he interpreted them as being racist. But beyond that, I mean, I, I, I don't know that it was nailing a surfboard to a tree. I don't read as being akin to lynching. I could be wrong. Cause again, that's not a sensitivity for me. Um, but I don't know, this doesn't, if I'm just reading through the comments, this does not seem like a racist act to me, but the bigger problem that I have is that When everybody calls it racist, then actual racist acts lose, they get diluted. And so that's kind of what I'm talking, when I started off talking about the interesting thing is what's happening in the comments. And I'm like, dude, this is just an altercation, but it being painted with a racist brush. Now there will be a racist act tomorrow that is somehow diluted because everybody had to weed through this and kind of everybody. And then we lessen the credibility. Of the argument that was taking place
0: yeah know? yeah you bring up a great point and let me just say that you know let's be clear um surfing is where it is today because this culture this lifestyle this sport the, these actions that we take upon waves was started by people with darker skin than ours this sport is from polynesia and um and I mean, if you want to see examples of racism in surfing, all you have to do is look to Danki Aloha in South Africa. Um, I think there was another one, too. There were some other. It might have been Eddie. Yeah, Eddie Aikau in South Africa, I believe. Um, So, you know, dark-skinned people started surfing. So if you're white and you're surfing and you're a racist against people with a darker skin color than you, you know, do the math. You're, you know, you're on the wrong There's, side. You're on the wrong side of history.
1: Ra- I mean, racism is rife with hypocrisy. Yeah. It's just yeah. the, the ideology of racism is entirely hypocritical and narrow-minded and lacks a tremendous amount of critical thinking. But that's where I that's where I also got to point the finger at Andrew a little bit, even though he's a victim here. It's like, be careful who you point and call racist, because if they aren't actually racist, it lessens your credibility to be able to identify the nuance of why people are being prejudiced and what they're being prejudiced against. Because this I mean, again, my assessment from reading through everything was this had nothing to do with skin color. This yeah. had to do with a character judgment, yeah. you know? And so that's a lesson to be learned, I think.
0: Yeah, I think
1: you're right. I think you're absolutely right. I I just think that this is sort of much ado about nothing. Well, I don't think it is because I think this stuff's going to come up more and more and more frequently. When we have... the The other detail is all the COVID surfers who cannot tease apart the nuance of what is happening... I pulled up Instagram today, Slams posted a clip of some guy burning some guy at desert point. And I read the, com- I saw a couple of the comments and they were on either side, blaming the guy in front, blaming the guy in back. It was clear that they did not understand much about surfing. Like they'd probably been surfing for two or three years and they are making bold assessments of who was right or who was wrong on this wave. And I'm like, man, this is crazy town, how the newbies think that they're experts and that they know what's what, you know? And so I think in this age of COVID surfers and also this age of kind of narcissism, thanks to social media, everybody's got a very, very strong opinion. And they think that they're entirely right about what it is. And the reality is it's all got gray in it. It's all got gray area and you got to be careful with what you're saying, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think stuff like this is going to pop up. These types of altercations and misunderstandings are kind of become more and more frequent.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, And I think you made the, based on what I know, which isn't much, I think you made the right assessment here that, you know, you just can't be watering down incidents and just throwing the racist card out there unless you know well, I mean, no, for risk fact that it's just don't let's not cry wolf and because if we do exactly. pretty soon when the
1: wolves come no one's going to care yeah totally um did you read that sam lewis samuels interview on stab no do you know lewis samuels i know who he is i've never met him did you read his work back when
0: he was working oh yeah he had some choice words for me <laughs> <laughs> you were on the receiving end oh yeah what did he say uh you know i actually didn't read too much of it i just heard about it but it was i i, just, I really it, it was like over the top it was gnarly like 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 um surprisingly uh gnarly stuff why know?
1: was he coming at you
0: i guess he didn't like what i wrote about surfing did you see that, I'm kind of blown away that Surfer Magazine is kind of back.
1: I don't know, are you subscribing to their newsletter? I think I automatically get it, yeah. I don't know, I don't I don't remember subscribing to it, I just automatically I mean, get they're it. They're definitely,
0: they definitely have an online website and an online presence and they're
1: kind they of, hired. They hired, well, they hired a bunch of people. They hired a bunch of people from, you know, that you know. Yeah, Xander
0: uh, Martin. Yeah.
1: Um, and they're, and they're making basically
0: a go. kind of doing a little bit of a, like grabbing stuff from the internet and posting it yeah. and then like writing a paragraph or two about it, kind of like what the inertia does. But then there's some other stuff um, that's a little deeper than that. But,
1: and to be frank, the inertia does some deeper stuff as well. But, no, they're making a go and they are beating people to the punch. I mean, they are the ones who broke the Eric Logan being fired story.
0: I know that's kind of what I'm noticing is that it doesn't feel like they're just like, um, yeah, it feels like they're just ahead of the game a little bit.
1: Yeah, well, because they hired people who have been in the industry for 20 years and they're in the know and but they're operating under the kind of current new cycle algorithm thing where it's like, let's just get it up quick. Let's do five a day and let's be first on Google, essentially, you know? Yeah. So, but no offense to any of those guys, but nothing that has been filtered my way from them was uh, insightful enough for me to kind of click on or spend any time on. Yeah, I'll read the headlines real quick. Yeah, it's kind of just like a headline grabber, you know, you just kind of in and to be honest, I'm glad to see them back and functioning rather than just being a ghost. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know,
0: like I said, I'm, I, I go, I get the newsletter and then some, I'm sometimes clicking on it because they're kind of seem to be ahead of the game a little bit
1: on some stuff. Yeah, totally. Cool. All right. You think surfing is surfing mag going to make a comeback? I don't know. I don't think so. Job opportunities for you and I, if they do. (laughs)
0: Well, I mean, if he, I don't think anyone wants my if they if they query Lewis about my writing skills, they'll, they won't hire me because Lewis, <laughs> Lewis is not a fan of my. and
1: f- quite frankly, he's right. In many regards,
0: I didn't I wasn't a very good writer.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, real quickly, I'm going to point out we haven't been doing it, but must see moment. No, not must see moment. Duke. I'm going to give Caitlin Simmers a Duke of the Week. Uh, she's got a new edit coming out tomorrow called Bell Jar. It is the first female-only or female-focused surf edit of the year entry on Stab Magazine. So I think that's pretty epic to see. And I've seen some of the teaser clips. And it's her surfing the box and stuff. Like, really incredible surfing that we know Caitlin has been doing recently. But um, that's one realm of when you look at men's surfing versus women's surfing, men's free surfing – has so much more um, visibility than women's free surfing. And I was always like, man, Sage Erickson needs to drop the tour and just focus on putting out a banger at it. And I guarantee she would have like all of the, you know, commercial viability that Carissa Moore has on tour if Sage just focused on putting out a banger at it. And so I'm glad to see Caitlin kind of taking the bull by the horns and filling that gap that exists for high performance, shortboard female free surfing.
0: Well, by the way, I mean, when we're talking about her and we're thinking about the lowers event coming up, that's actually the best storyline is can she beat Carissa? Like yeah, to me, can. that's, that's got more juice from a, like, you know, what we have here is, what is she, 18 or 19 or something? Or You know, we have a rookie on tour that has the chops in the water, the technical chops in the water to drop some massive bomb aerials and um, beat, you know, the... um, What's my nickname for Carissa again? She's the Mother Teresa of surfing. You know, she's just a wonderful human, Mother Carissa. But Katie, I mean, that matchup is... I think it's... I think that's very, very interesting. I think it's, it has more editorial chops. Unless unless Gabe and Felipe were going at it, the Katie Carissa thing, you've got age versus age, you know, the young kid taken over from the old sage, so to speak. Um, And then I guess there's a heritage heat. Did you know this? No, I didn't. I don't know if this is true. I'm just reading this um, on the Surfer Magazine forums, but. It says here that there could be Archie versus Wardo oh my God. in a heritage heat. Don't they usually do a heritage heat, like in between heats to kind of keep people
1: engaged? like while people are... When you say usually, that'd be a loose definition for usually. I yeah. think they've done it a handful of times over the years, but it's a rarity. Uh, but that would be incredible. And I'd put my money on Wardo.
0: I don't know. Maybe I'm seeing here people going, wait a minute, is this real? And then this guy says he heard it from a reliable source, but he hasn't seen or heard anything about it. Everyone's pretty excited about it. I mean, I've seen because they say that they say that Christian Fletcher is going to be commenting.
1: (laughs) This is not going (laughs) to happen. This
0: is so anti-WSL. Randall from Lost is going to
1: comment on this. I could see the couch surfing Alani brothers. They have that show, Couch Surfing. I could see them setting this up at uppers while the lowers event is going on. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, yeah, go Caitlin. That she'd be coming from fifth to surf through Molly, Caroline, Tyler, and then Carissa. But hey, Stephanie Gilmore did it last year.
0: Yeah, she she, she could do it. You know,
2: we'll see yep. what
0: happens here. All right. Well, look. Great show, David. Um, until next time, adios and aloha.
2: Well, I'm a sit down in the San Antonio Waitin' on an 8 o'clock train My woman left me here last night Things ain't been quite the same I gotta get back to Dallas And tie up a few blues in. I'm gonna work a week, I'll make a hundred dollars off and hit the road again So I don't want you to think That you're the first one To leave me out here on my own Cause this ain't gonna be the first time This old cowboy spent the night long fool i can't remember when i've been just to open up my heart and let you walk right in but there's one thing in life that ain't hard for me to do that's as soon as i kiss the lips of another woman I'm going to forget all about you, so I don't want you to think that you're the first one to leave me out here on my own, cause this ain't going to be the first time this old cowboy spent the night alone.